Hey there, and welcome to Bustin' Out of Breast Cancer, the show that has us straight talking about surviving and thriving breast cancer using the SMILE method. I am Shannon Burroughs, your host for the show. I empower women to invest in their most valuable assets, their homes, health, and happiness. I found my purpose at the intersection of passion and pain while navigating my own breast cancer journey and became the person I couldn't find, a certified cancer exercise specialist. And I wanna make sure I can share all of my expertise and knowledge with you to help you navigate your journey as well. Not to mention, there's a big gap between the medical and fitness industries that I am on a mission to fill. On the show, we share survivor stories and talk about thriving in life, not just surviving. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Joan Hale, two-time thriver and president and founder of Necessary Comforts. Welcome to the show, Joan. I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm so glad for our listeners to hear your amazing story and what you are doing to give back to other thrivers. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's wonderful to spend this time with you. I have listened to many of your episodes and really enjoyed them. Thank you. Do you have any questions for me or do you just want me to take it out of the box? Girl, I want you to share your entire journey. Like, let us know that you are a two-time thriver. So when was your first diagnosis? What was that like? And then what was it like to be diagnosed a second time? Like, I can't even imagine that. Um, 2009, I was 63 years old. I had had a clear mammogram. Gives you a clean bill of health, right? You just go on your way. Doctor said, don't see a thing. I'm showering one day and I feel something odd on the top of my breast. Not on the side, not underneath, not hidden. It was there. And I thought, hmm, this is not right. So... Check on the first, that boob check is the most important thing because Mm -hmm. I know more women who have diagnosed themselves. Um, There were other hints. I was very, very tired. My girlfriends remember me saying, I can't get it all done. I had a showroom in Ohio. I was in the wholesale jewelry business. I still am now. There were monthly shows. I was commuting three hours Um, back and forth once a month. And I I would wind up shoving stuff under a skirted table in the showroom. And I would just say to the girls that worked, I had this group of friends that were helping me up there. And I'd say, I can't get it done. And they'd look at me and they'd say, we're picking it up. We don't want it here because someone's going to trip over it because you can't get it done. So, and they remembered my saying that I can't get it all done. So finally, I called the GP who was an internist and went back again. And I said, I feel, you know, you have to say ahead when you first you see the nurse, what are you here for? What's wrong? You were just here. You shouldn't be here. And I said, well, I felt something. I wanted her to check. So I went in and um, Dr. Walker said, don't tell me where it is. Let me feel myself to see if I can feel what you feel, which was really great. So I laid back, took my top off, did my thing, and she did a self exam, did uh, an exam, and she said, damn, you had a clear mammogram. How long ago? What was the, what was the time frame difference? Oh, four months. Wow. So um, we, she said, 
I need to schedule you for this. I need to schedule you for that. And so she did ultrasound, MRI ultrasound, biopsy MRI ultrasound. She or the surgeon both did that. I, I don't know in talking together, but I went with who she said she recommended, who is a general surgeon. Not the best idea. Hmm. Ditto. Uh, you know, so moving on. Um, at one point with one of the MRIs, they saw something suspicious on the left side. So I said, well, I'll just do a bilateral. I'll do them both. Um, I don't want to, you've got me one time. I'm not coming back again. Mistake. <laughs> I gave them, I'm not coming back again. Well, I wound up going back many times. So then the most unfortunate, unfortunate thing happened um, because I did like my conversations with her. She, it, it was, um, I felt like I got a lot of attention from her and she clearly had a great bedside manner and was more interested in my recovery. And um, Anthem, which in different states has a different name, but it's all Blue Cross Blue Shield. But Anthem and a hospital chain here called Norton were having a fight over their contract and the oh, contract geez. expired. She was a Norton doctor. Therefore, I could no longer see her. Nor could I go to the Norton Hospital where she had privileges. Couldn't go there. So I wound up the surgeon that she recommended, which who was a general surgeon, practiced at both hospitals. So I wound up going to Baptist East. Unbeknownst to me, they were overrun with patients. I would have put it off a few more weeks or something. They, they were completely overbooked. They didn't have enough room at the quote in. And uh, I was not in the breast unit. I was not in the tower, did not have a breast nurse navigator. I didn't know you were supposed to have all of that. So they opened um, a toddler unit they hadn't used for a while. And I remember when one of my friends came, I said, on the phone, just follow the fish and you'll find the room. You know, because <laughs> the wallpaper border was fish. Follow the fish, you'll find me. And All right, I'm, I'm having a double vasectomy. Please find me in the infant room. <laughs> That's really what it was. And around the corner were the newborns. And here I here is this woman walking around. The only joy I had was going to walk because the nurses would, I insisted that they come and walk me. That's when you stayed in. Uh, that's the only thing I did, go see the babies. And then all these parents would be looking at me like, what are you doing here? Um, so anyway, my girlfriend picked me up. The boys knew. And uh, my youngest son was, uh, it was very interesting. He had had some friends who had some mothers who had had breast cancer. And he was aware of the fact that chemo was worse than the surgery. So he said, if your girlfriends are going to help you, then I'll come for when you're in chemo. And I said, how do you know that? He said, some of the guys, their mothers have been through that. So that's what he did. He called every day. But anyway, getting back to my diagnosis, I was in a very competitive business. 
um, I had a giftware sales rep agency. Everybody was always after all your products. And so I never told anyone. And I did what was called the short list. And I scheduled my surgery around trade shows. I also mm -hmm. scheduled my chemo around that. So on the short list were maybe my 10 best girlfriends and their phone numbers, where they lived, who was to call who in a chain if, if I obviously wasn't going to call one of you afterwards um, after my surgery. Two of my girlfriends here in Louisville sat through the surgery. They brought me, sat through the surgery, and um, we were talking about orange juice earlier. They got an orange juice from one of the nurses in the recovery room, and Judith had little bottles of vodka. She thinks it's just hysterical that I remember that. This is funny. And <laughs> so they were feeling no pain by the time I woke up, and I, you know, <laughs> they're, sitting there, they're in the waiting room waiting for you drinking mimosas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, meet your friends. Vodka, yeah, they had orange juice and vodka. So they're rubbing my head and, uh, you know, really feeling just, um, it was wonderful. And they'd come back to the house and read, you know, put the bed tray on the bed, had everything all folded and this. And then my other girlfriend who was spending the first week with me, Anne, came she has the key to the house. She came in, she walked in the bedroom, saw all this stuff, took it all off and threw the bed covers back. <laughs> and she said, you can't come over to the hospital like that. But she's the one I said, follow the fish. I didn't want anyone to come to the hospital. I wanted to just sleep. Yeah. And I, I had the phone disconnected. Oh, you call nice. one another, don't call me. But anyway, it was very, very That's secret. great advice. Yeah, don't call me, call other people. So um, came home, Anne stayed with me for the week. The worst thing were the drains. Mm -hmm, for sure. We struggled with them. Well, because we didn't have a nurse navigator. We I had this, either. we had a, a contract nurse, a young guy who said, I know nothing about breast cancer, but I do know how to milk a drain. Well, one of the drains was, we didn't think was right. And he said, have the doctor look at that. And the doctor did very offhandedly, should have paid more attention to that because that was a problem. Drains can be a problem. So Anne and I would pin them. I had took some long necklaces from the warehouse, pinned them on that. We broke all the necklaces, tried pinning them on clothes. Um, they never gave gave me one of those camisoles with the pockets. All they did was give me a camisole with Dacron that you could make yourself fake boobs. Um, I use, I use a lanyard, you know, the lanyards that you get. Yes. You like when you do trade shows, they didn't like, have, yeah, you know, they yeah, did. that's what I use. Especially I had thrown those all out because I'd had, I just used to use them on a pin or not. Anyway, second girlfriend arrives 10 days later. And now, this is what, two weeks post-op you're at? Yeah, not quite two weeks. Okay. Still have the drains. Gretchen arrives. Flew cross country. I am very, very lucky. I have wonderful, wonderful friends. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I need help putting the robe around. You won't see anything because I'm going to put a towel around myself. 
but I didn't know what to do with the drains in the shower. So I had them in a minute. Anna and I put them in a metal mixing bowl. So I come out of the shower with this metal mixing bowl, towel around me, help me put my robe on because I can't get my, get my arms in that direction. She looked at me with these huge eyes, looked at the bowl, looked at me, looked at the bowl, looked at me and said, that's not working for me. And I looked at her and said, well, obviously, Clara Barton, you are not. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that was, she was shocked. She had never seen drains before, which most women haven't. I right. mean, when, when I tell people what I'm doing, they don't understand. A lot of women don't understand because they've never seen them. So while I was sleeping, she went in my basement, found my old sewing machine. And an old, you know, you get these, you go to a trade show or something, you get these giveaway bags. Yeah. She found those, took an old couple of old pairs of socks. I never even heard her go in my drawer. And she sewed up this little thing for me to wear to put the drains in so she wouldn't have to see them. <laughs> so it was all for her. <laughs> it was all for her. It wasn't, I mean, she didn't realize what, <laughs> what a horrible thing they were. And so I took, she said, here, put this on. And I looked at it and I said, she put twine, what she found in the basement. I said, well, for God's sakes, at least put ribbon on it. Right. Put a ribbon on it. And off. she said, I didn't find your ribbon box. So I had to tell her where the ribbon box was. And so she redid it, put the ribbon on it. And that was the start of Necessary Comforts, which was a holder for post-surgical drains. Which I cannot wait to get into, but hold on, hold on, hold, hold, hold on. I want to get into that because that's that's your Thriver story, but we've only yeah. gone through your first diagnosis. I want to know what happened on your second diagnosis. Oh, well, before the second diagnosis, there were a whole bunch more surgeries because I wound up with an infection. On my left side, not on my right side, wound up with lymphedema. First thing I wound up with was hematoma because nobody told me not to lift anything. So I went to the grocery store. I was with my oldest son, Chris, bought a gallon of milk. He said, well, I'll go in for you. I said, no, I'll get what I want because I figured he'd buy, you know, just a ton of stuff I didn't want. And I bought myself with that gallon of milk, a hematoma. So here I am going to, to um, a trade show with a hematoma. And thank goodness, the plastic surgeon, who was very abrupt, looked at me and said, Joan, wear a compression hose. You're okay to fly with that, but I need to clean that out before chemo. So that was surgery number two, was the hematoma. Surgery number three was about six months later, after I had the expanders in, um, I got an infection on the left side. They treated that as they do normally with everyone, as if it's staff or MRSA. That's not what it was. So the antibiotic didn't work. So there was surgery number one. Then, uh, well, one of infection. That happened three times. Jesus. In and out, in and out, in and out, till I finally got a set of what I call cantaloupes, or as most people call prostheses, but you have a better name for yours. You gave each one that you gave it a name. Nemo and Dory. That's right. 
So <laughs> I just, for me, they're just cantaloupes. One's down, one's up. Um, so, and then that's because there's so much scar tissue from all of those surgeries. So they were finally at the end, I mean, he was absolutely great. The plastic surgeon, I went back to him. I never went back to the um, general surgeon. Um, he would see me in a matter of hours. And I, I mean, he'd say, did you eat anything today? Because I can get you in the, I can get an operating room today. And of course I would have had, you know, be in the afternoon or something. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to eat. So go in the next morning and he'd take care of it. Um, he was very, very attentive. Finally, at the last one, he said, I have read every doctor book. I have asked all my colleagues. I do not know what's wrong. So he called in an infectious disease doctor. And that was a whole big joke with me. The girlfriends and I were sitting there. And he said, I called an ID guy. And the way he said it, I thought he was saying an idea guy who had <laughs> ideas. I didn't know what an ID guy was. So anyway, we um, it was not gram positive, which is your normal staff and MRSA. It was gram negative. And the gram negative was the, it was the wrong antibiotics. So the infectious disease doctor unclips everything in the hospital room and said, okay, I'm changing your antibiotic. All of this isn't doing any good. So that's the story. Um, then I wanted cantaloupes again, which I shouldn't have. So wait, then, did, they did they remove your implants with the infection? Oh, on the left side, yeah. It went in out, okay. removed the expanders, removed the, I mean, he couldn't, he was terrified what was wrong. He so said, was the I was cleaning. Your expander or from the infant drain? It was from the original drain. drain. Okay. I gotcha. think it was from the original drain. Although he said, who knows what it's from. Right. The original drain on the left side was defective. And what they would say to me, well, that was the side that you didn't really have to have removed. Yeah. Like, so then, you yeah. know, they throw it back at you. So anyway. And one of those visits that Gretchen made with one of those surgeries, I think it was after I was diagnosed again. Again, I found that I had to switch surgeons, uh, plastic surgeons, because I became, I was 65 and Medicare wouldn't pay for it with the original plastic surgeon didn't use Medicare. So I had to go to a new plastic surgeon that took Medicare. So I had to switch in the middle, um, which wasn't fun. Anyway, I didn't like that, but it's what happened. And um, I had to wait a while because after one of the surgeries, the first plastic surgeon who I said was wonderful, he said, we have to wait some time before we do anything, before we put another expander. And he said, you took too long to wake up. This so is your second, wait, this is your second first diagnosis? one. No, the you oh, know, okay. first. So get finally get a set of boobs. This one's up in the air. I'm not happy with it, the whole thing. Go back every year, have them checked. And I'm just about at my five-year mark. 
and I go for my December annual checkup and I said, you know, I felt something under my arm. Is that the, is that the implant? And he takes a feel and he said, nope, that's not your implant, Joan. Oh, geez. So it had come and back. Had, and you've had both of them removed. So did the first general surgeon not, quote, take enough? Because it was exactly the same diagnosis, which was good. What was and your then, diagnosis? Uh, I had lobular um, carcinoma, invasive lobular carcinoma. It's the second most common, stage mm -hmm. 2B. ER positive, BR negative, AGR negative. Um, oncotype um, and score uh, had intermediate risk of reoccurrent. What was your score? Um, I do not have my score because the whole idea of an oncotest, my insurance didn't want to pay for. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that was a battle and a half. That I was like my go... deciding factor for me. What was your onco score? Once I got my, once I got my, um, once I got my score, that was my deciding factor of whether I did a double mastectomy or not. Oh, they did it after. They didn't do it in the beginning. Really? Yeah, they did not do it in the beginning. Interesting. Yeah, that it was long after when they did that. Interesting. Um, so anyway, um, he said, you have to go back and see Dr. So-and-so, the original general surgeon. And I said, I don't want to see him. Have him take a look. I went back to see him. Now I've run into him a couple of times at the car wash. I mean, Louisville's small. It's a big city, but it's a small city. And he had known that I had had more surgeries. He never called to inquire, never anything at all. So anyway, he feels, he takes, gets some pictures and he says, it's behind your implants in your chest wall. I say, we wait and see what happens. Now this is the same diagnosis. I looked at him and I said, what are you afraid I'm gonna sue you from the first go around? I took him so off guard, Shannon, he said, yes. I left there and I said, no way is he ever touching me again. Nope. So called the plastic surgeon's office. Unbeknownst to me, his wife was the head of breast cancer unit at Norton Hospitals. So he got me in there. So she said to me, I will no, no, that that's not what happened. The oncologist recommended another doctor. She was in Europe. She comes home, tried to get an appointment. She won't take somebody that someone else has done surgery on. In other words, she didn't want to fix somebody's mistake. Mm. So I called the plastic surgeon again, whose wife is, is head of um, breast cancer and Dr. Berry. And I saw her. She talks to the oncologist. They had weekly meetings and I was one of the patients they discussed. I was pretty lucky because it was a reoccurrence. And because it was in my chest wall, they were concerned. 
So they gave me some horrific drug, and I know you're going to kill me, Shannon, then I can't remember the name of it. No, to, I'm not going to. Uh, to reduce the size of the tumor, and it worked. Good. And it was inject injections over a period of, I think, about two or three months, two months, maybe. And I got them at the oncologist's office, did another um, ultrasound, and, they f and it had reduced. So the whole ultrasound thing was so important in both diagnosis and how the ultrasound was done and what they found with each one. So Dr. Barry said to me, well, I'll tell so-and-so what to do. I said, I'm not going back to him. Good for you. Well, I can explain to him how to take, no, I'm not going back to him. We went back and forth about this about five times. And so finally she agreed to do the surgery. Again, afterwards, she said, well, you can follow up with that. I said, no, I'm not going back to him. That, that was it. You know, I, I had no interest in suing him. I had no interest in ever seeing his face again, which I did see in the Home Depot parking lot not too long ago. So that's. <laughs> Listen, same scenario I had with my plastic surgeon, my first plastic surgeon done. Yeah, when you're done, when you're done, you're done. So after the second go around, it was a very complicated surgery because it was behind the chest wall and it was behind my implant. And the plastic surgeon told me afterwards, he didn't know if it was going to go flying around. He didn't know where the plastic, where the implant was going to go because they took such wide margins. They wound up putting some kind of a mesh in my back and that's spongy like. And every time I hear that commercial on television, if you had such and such and such and such and want to be part of this class action suit and all I've thought, I could not handle that. I have that I've been there, done that. No, I'm not going back. So I there's something back there and the massage therapist can always feel it because it's sort of it's sort of spongy. But I always say that my lymphedema goes around to my back because of that. Then I had radiation after that. Um, which made my implant extremely hard. It's like a softball. And I, I have to say that I think radiation was the most exhausting of all of the things. I couldn't make it till five o'clock at night before I wound up in bed. I found it to be very exhausting to go to radiation. And um, a gal I knew here was losing her husband, he, very young to be diagnosed with ALS, and it was just aggressive as all get out. And she had a retail store that I had sold to. And I wasn't, there were no trade shows. So I went and helped her I just, just to help. Um, I screwed up the cash register once or twice, but I helped her keep the store. <laughs> <laughs> I helped her keep the store open actually till he died. So um, I always felt good about doing that, but I would leave there some nights at five or six o'clock. I don't know how I got in the car and drove home. It was only, you know, it was all on the same road. So I was lucky that way, a couple of miles, but oh man, it was exhausting. So since then, I just hit my second five-year mark in my appointment two weeks ago. 
So I am a happy camper. That I was is amazing. And that is the story of Necessary Comforts came out of all of those surgeries and dealing with the wretched surgical drains. Right. So, so we haven't even gotten into Necessary Comforts. So first of all, I, I don't want to just breeze by your second time as a five-year mark because those of you that are listening, um, whether you're new or not, um, five-year mark is huge as a uh, cancer survivor. So we do appreciate that. We do love that. We do celebrate that. So congratulations. That is amazing. Um, I know no matter what your diagnosis is, it's always sometimes in the back of your head, is there going to be a reoccurrence and you just, you know, prove to us that there is that chance, right? Um, there is that ch- and I didn't make it five years the first time. Right. You're just shy. It was, of that. It was, yeah. I was shy of that by about four and a half years. So yes, this time the five years. It was shy by four and a half years. Uh, no, it was shy by half a year of yeah. five years, <laughs> four and a half. I, it was four and a half years when it happened. And That's I was crazy. like, you know, yeah. I really and I was just hit four years. So I'm always like, oh, I just want to hit I know. Count down to five. Do you um, go every six months or every year to your oncologist? Yeah, I don't, I don't go to my oncologist. I go to my general surgeon or my plastic surgeon. Huh? I, I went to the oncologist. Interesting. Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you, like, and this is just my story, but like, I really felt felt like the ball was dropped afterwards because I didn't know what to do for the first year. Like, I, no one told me like when I should follow up, what I should be doing. Like, I knew I couldn't do mammograms anymore. I was like, um, and then I saw my general surgeon at one of my fundraisers, actually my husband's fundraiser for breast cancer. And he was like, so have you had your follow-up exams? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, aren't I done? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, no one's told me what to do. And I, at that point I didn't have insurance anymore. And he was like, please come to my office. I will do your, your breast exams. And I was like, but I didn't have lumps to begin with. So what's the, you know, why do I need to come have a breast exam? And he was like, trust me, please. And I was like, okay. So anyway, not about me. This is about you. So no, anyways, that's fine. So it's, it's frustrating that you yes. have so little knowledge yes. going into this. Yes, very much so. Um, which I do really stress a lot on my podcast about that, like bridging the gap between the medical and fitness, bridging the gap between like what happens afterwards. And for you, you are trying to bridge that gap of the uncomfortable shit that we have to deal with, with the drains. That's for lack of a better term. For those of you that are offended by that, I'm so sorry. I don't edit this podcast because I like to keep this real and raw conversation, but necessary comforts came out of these God awful drains that we have to go through, whether you have a breast cancer surgery or any surgery, you have to have drains. So please enlighten us and please tell us a little bit more about your fabulous drain garment that you've created. Thanks to your friend who went ahead while you were recovering, <laughs> took your old socks and sewing machine. And on one of, uh, on one of her visits and a subsequent, um, uh, I guess it was um, about, it was the second go around on one of her visits here, came up with the name Necessary Comforts with the help of a, a cousin. Actually on the way to visit her, I stopped in, in Colorado and um, saw them and she was talking about ladies traveling with their necessaries. So, and, and she reads old Western novels. So that's how Necessary Comforts came about. But we, um, Gretchen had come again to visit and I said, either I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. Got to make a pattern. You're more of a seamstress than me. I think I've lined up a sewer. I got to do something about that. So we sat here with a bottle of wine. I bought 
a bunch of URLs. I registered the name of the company with the state. Spent all spent it, and that is you spend money when you do that. Yeah, you, do. you know. But I thought this is my investment. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So she didn't remember exactly how she made it to start with. So we, I still had it, and we found something similar online, which I bought, and it wasn't nearly as soft and comfortable because she had had this ribbon. Um, on it and you know we make a garment that holds up to four Jackson and Pratt size post-surgical drains and this post-surgical drain is a bulb um, equal to maybe three eggs Shannon would you say it's it's um, it's it's a good size and it's attached to a tube which at the very end has a perforated section and that perforated section is what is sewn into your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, it just hurts I, like thinking about it. Because they do, they said it's held in there with yeah. some stitches. Yes. And yes, and if you drop that sucker, yeah. it hurts like hell, right? It is so, and you can dislodge. I've heard that women have dislodged them and men too. Mm. Um, so it very comfortably holds up to four drains. Um, you, our bestseller, which wasn't the original, my, again, the help of the girlfriends, I had hired some contract sewers. I had one who was great, who worked for the um, ballet here, the independent ballet, and she got married and moved. So I used some other contract sewers who all decided that, well, we thought it would be better if you made it this way. No, you can't do that. You can't change it. If I'm selling it the way, if I have a picture of this is what it looks like, this is what it looks like. Everyone can't be different. They have to be the same. So that just wasn't working. Uh, manufacturing wasn't working. So I, I went to the local score office, which is retired executives. And the first guy that looks at it says, oh, you got to send this overseas and have it made. I said, I've sold imports my whole lot. My whole sales career, I have dealt with imports. I want to make something here. I want it made here. I want to mm -hmm. see it made. I want to control it. Mm -hmm. Tried a few new contract sewers. Um, one was way too expensive. She didn't really want to do it. She wanted to do her own stuff. And then I found a, a Kentucky factory and he blew me off a couple of times because I wasn't a name. He was sewing for a couple of names here, uh, brands, more important brands. So manufacturing was a huge issue. Uh, another thing that you don't know, I, I mean, of, of all that you know about me, Shannon, you don't know that I'm sort of a genealogy nerd, and I belong to a bunch of lineage societies. And I only had my friend that I got involved with in doing that to start with has since moved from Kentucky. She was from Connecticut, and they lived in Avon once. But anyway, um, we we're sitting, well, one of my only friend in one of those societies who we went to meetings and everything together. And sometimes we go to lunch or just play. And I was sitting out on her porch a couple of summers ago 
and she was getting ready to retire from the school system and she's an excellent quilter. Mm. And I said, well, what are you going to do when you retire? Because a couple of libraries had asked her if she would be interested in working with them. And she said, I really don't know. And out of the clear blue sky, I said, would you like to be my business partner? You can, wow. sew. You can sew. What makes it a dream is we both know one another's personalities well enough because we did volunteer work together to know where the one can fall short and the other one strengths and weaknesses yep and we appreciate that in one another um she can say to me stop talking and do this and i can say to her i need this done do you want to participate in this i need to do this podcast with Shannon, would you like to be here while I'm doing? No, if you can take care of it, that's fine. So we that's awesome. We equalize one is one another so well. And after owning my own business, what I had to wait for her to retire, take some time off. They took a cruise. Then COVID hit. It was perfect for us to start a business, and that that is how we started and wound up on Etsy. Um, everyone says, oh, sell hospital gift shops. I haven't made a sales call in a year and a half, and I'm just as happy not doing that. If I can do it online, not a single one goes out without a personal note from me say, saying, make sure you rest. Don't be too tired. Stretch your arms. Take care of yourself. You know, I, I, I say something, I handwrite a note with every single one that goes out That's to say amazing. that because because my arms were the biggest issue afterwards, not my core. I had been doing crunches for a long time because I was lifting all these boxes with the showroom. And so I could sit up without using my arms. But as far as reach and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. I that was the biggest thing. And then getting lymphedema made it a lot worse. So anyway, she does all the production and she came up with our bestseller, which was the mesh shower version. Nice. So, I mean, it's just utterly amazing. So from oh, my back, utterly, utterly, no pun intended, like the, we have udders hanging off of us. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> she would like that. Her sense of humor would like that, <laughs> but I mean, it really is. So those we, of you listening, um, when you have drains and you have to, like you're told you can't shower. So my way around that was I put my drains on my, hung them from my lanyard and I put a trash bag over me and I stood in my bathroom and I said, this is a whole new version to bag lady. And that's how I took my shower. But so using and this, now I used a metal bowl, but right. now we have our best seller is this met and the reviews on it. I mean, they all say how wonderfully it's sewn, how helpful it was. And we think some people are using it every day. You can also buy a shirt with pockets in it. Yep. But we think a lot of people are using it every day and put it because it fits under your shirt. Nobody mm -hmm. knows you have it on. It's like wearing an apron. Nobody, and it's all soft, 100% cotton, not irritating to the skin. There's no metal. There's no hook and loop fabrics like a Velcro, which can irritate you when you're so sensitive after being cut open and, you know, you don't want. Now, is this position on your body that it could be used for 
any surgery or specifically just only, for breast? Only for surgeries that require a surgical drain, which right. are but some heart surgeries, mm -hmm. pancreatic surgery, um, thyroid surgery. Some thyroid surgeries have surgical drains. Mommy makeovers. Mommy makeovers, tummy tuck, and BBLs. But those can and, be used. This can be used for that, right? And also, um, um, top surgeries are very big right now. This is a huge market that you have right now, Joan. This is amazing. Like I and think so, about my plastic surgeon and all the different surgeries he does, like mommy makeovers, tummy tucks, like all of the things. Huge, like unbelievable, which I think is amazing. Yeah, so we're um, we're learning as we're going. I came from an in-person sales background, <clears throat> and learning how to market online, how to sell on Etsy. It's not as easy as anyone thinks. I mean, if you've never been a social media person, it hey, is. Hard. I met you when you were no bio Joan. That's right. I was no bio Joan, and I didn't have Instagram. And I, I had not. And look at me. I'm learning all of that. You know, I absolutely. And how old are you, Joan? I am 75. See? You are never too old yes. to learn. That's right. Never too old to learn and never it. too old to take something to market and never too old to be committed to helping other people be more comfortable in doing in doing this. And and you're amazing learning to find a tribe like you shannon of breast cancer thrivers who understand what it is like when you are recovering yes. and what your life is like afterwards and the adjustments you make and as you know i just joined a, a club of dragon boat racing team which is all breast cancer thrivers who paddle away in a long dragon boat and race other teams of breast cancer survivors and other um, it's a great thing for lymphedema they yes. have found that it really works for that so you are never too old to do anything i and know i'm so proud of you and always never too old to have your friends have your back and be involved in in everything and support you. I, I I am so blessed that I could have never done this without my friends ever. That's right. That is one thing that I, I, I made a note here. I always like to take notes when I'm doing interviews because I either want to go back to it or I just want to use it as a quote. But your biggest thing was the power of girlfriends. The power of girlfriends. And in the beginning, I wanted to name, I wanted to name the business with the help of my friends. But the Beatles song got in the way. So I eh, couldn't well, use it. <laughs> Meh, meh, meh. You know what I have to laugh at um, when you were just talking about earlier about trying to find another sewer and locally in Kentucky, in Kentucky, in Kentucky. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and you said that he really wasn't interested because you weren't really a name brand. And you know what I thought of immediately was the movie Pretty Woman. Really? Her walking like, into the store and they look just... At me now. Look at me now. I'm a name. I'm a brand. We just got brand approved for Amazon. We'll be on Amazon before too long. Yeah, you're on Etsy and you have your own website. We have our own website. 
all of that within a year and a lot of work and a lot and, and some stress in learning how to do it. But again, with the help of my friends, thank I have. You, thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. You know, I have one dear friend who is a writer who has helped me so much with all of this. It is, you know, again, just with the help of my friends. That's right. That's I could amazing. not, I could not pull it, have pulled it all off. And well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of me too. So, and two, so two time thriver, numerous surgeries and a president and founder of a company to help other thrivers navigate their journey as well. That is something to be extremely proud of. Thank you. So what is one or what is, I'm not going to say one, what would be the top two things that you would suggest recommend to someone newly diagnosed? Talk to survivors to start with, which I never did. Find out, tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly, the ugly. Tell me what can go wrong. Tell me what I need to know. Don't take everything that the um, office staff tell you because, and, I, and I'm not belittling any of those women who work right. so hard, but they are reading from notes. A they doctor, a they have a job and they're reading from notes on a computer screen of what the doctor has said. Can they interpret all of them? No. Do they gloss over them? Yes. Does the doctor have the time to sit and talk with you and explain everything? No, he's on the clock for whatever service he's working on. Read, read, read. I mean, I knew about lymphedema. I screwed up with it, but I knew about lymphedema um, because I was really, again, one of my friends um, had a connection. Uh, I got a couple of books in the American Cancer Society on lymphedema and what to do and not to do and exercises to do. And I mean, I still do that. I lift weights. Um, if I, you know, I would pretend lift weights and slam my arms down and that really helped my lymphedema, which is not a suggested exercise that yes. anyone should do, right? But it worked for me. It stimulated that some. Um, massage before. No one told me to do that. I would just say I was unprepared, very, very, very unprepared. And my product authentically came out of unpreparedness, you know, of what do you do? You know, as you did with your exercise program and yeah. helping other women. Bridging that gap. Bridge that gap because we are all so unprepared to go through that. And, and I don't necessarily mean find one mentor, but read all of the Facebook groups, read all the things that they've gone through, read about, I mean, there are women that post there about burns with radiation or infections from drainage tubes, and you want to say, get to your doctor now, dude, you know, don't post. Don't, don't come to the group. Just don't yeah. post a picture, get to the doctor, but read all the things that these women have gone through. Not saying it's going to happen, but just know. Know, yeah. know what can happen and 
every doctor um, is not your loved one. Every doctor is doing what he has learned in medical school. Mm-hmm. It's wrote to him how to, or her. They know what they're going to do. You're not, your questions and your time is not part. I know. They know. You need to know as well, too. You don't need to second guess them all the time, but you need to know what you're up against. You need to know what can you need to know not to lift a gallon of milk and get a hematoma. Right. You need no one told me that. You know, and women will say in the face, oh, I was fine. I went to work three days later. Take care of yourself. Self-care. It's all about self-care today. Self-care is important. And let, and the other thing I would say that I did not do in the very beginning, particularly with my second mother, let the ones that love you the most, let them do what they want to do for you and be there for you. So true. Let those that love you help you. Yes. Those that want to help truly want to help and they want to do it because it makes them feel good. And at the end of the day, the majority of humans, hopefully want to help others and because it makes them feel good. And at the end result, hopefully making you feel good as well. So, and it's hard for, it's hard for people, women, us, you know, to ask for help. So, you know, let them just do, let them, you don't have to be, that's what I learned. You don't have to be in control of everything. That's what I had to dial back and learn how to not be in control of everything and just be like, it's okay to let people take care of you. It's okay to not be okay right now. It's okay to let other people do some things. It's okay to let somebody rearrange your kitchen while you're sleeping. You know, it's okay because they flew cross country to take care of you. So if they think it doesn't work, it's okay. You know, it's okay when you're short and you can't reach anything. And she went out and bought risers for my counters and put everything. I didn't question it. She did it. The only thing I questioned is she threw out some old spices if they were under 99 cents. Jesus Christ. No, if they were under 99 cents, she figured they were really old. And she, but she never made a list of which ones she threw away. That was a fun. I still tease her about that. I had to go buy this, that, or the other thing because I didn't oh God, know. I'm it. send you a box of spices. We had a good time about that. We had a lot of laughs about that. But again, I was, and you know, afterwards, um, we, three of us went to New York and I treated them to a couple of nights and they didn't know I was going to do that. And we, cause I grew up in New York city. I took them to my home and a little tour and, you know, it's you let the ones that love you. And the other thing, there will be a few people that have expiration dates when you go through yep. a mate. 100%. Clean, and you, clean in house. You clean it. I like that you clean house or they have expiration dates and you have to be comfortable with that. Just Cancer didn't know. Cancer clean out. <laughs> they don't understand. No, they don't understand what you are going through. They either don't know how to respond to it or ask. And it's hurtful when someone doesn't acknowledge that you've had this major surgery or ask how you are. You're kind of like, huh? 
Yeah, I lost my best friend. That's a, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. But you've had some wonderful speakers, Shannon. I'm so thank glad you. you've done this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I absolutely love, love, love more than anything being able to have a platform to talk to other thrivers, meet other thrivers, share their stories and what they've done to give back like you, like you've taken your, your two-time thriver and created your business necessary comforts to be able to help other thrivers with their journey of uncomfortable drains um, and create a safe little happy little pouch for them. Their little homes, their little bulbs. They have a little bulb home. <laughs> so those of you that are listening, all of the contact information for necessary comforts are going to be in the show notes. There's going to be the Etsy link, the website link, and maybe by the time the show launches, you'll have the Amazon link. Um, if not, you will be able to go ahead and use the code Shannon one and save 5% on your purchase. So I'm really excited to be able to share this with you. Please, if you don't buy it for yourself and you're listening to this, do it as a gift for somebody because you have no idea how important this gift will be. This will be the gift that keeps on giving just like a wedge pillow was for me. <laughs> like, it's, it's true. One yes. of the best gift notes I wrote for someone and were listed as top gifts was remember when we were in college and I used to complain about hair in the drain don't let the drains get in your hair. And she ah, said, oh, one of my garments, I thought it was one of the greatest gift notes I had ever gotten to write for someone. I loved that. That's amazing. Listen, and also, if you would like to reach out to Joan at Necessary Comforts, all of her social media links are going to be in the show notes as well. She is on Instagram. She is on Facebook. Like I said, she's got her website, Etsy and Amazon. So please. And Facebook. Yep. yep, I said on Facebook. And so please make sure you check out the show notes so you can check out Necessary Comforts and the amazing post-surgical drain garment. Thank you so much for being here, Joan. It's been a pleasure. I love talking to you. I love hearing your story. I love hearing you share your passion about this project that you've created thanks to your cancer diagnosis. And I say thanks to that in a very light way, as you know. I know. And I love your saying of where passion and purpose collide. I just love that too, Shannon. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope this week's episode has somehow changed your life with a smile. If you're looking for guidance through your breast cancer journey, including your recovery, but don't know where to start, head on over to shannonbrose.com and let's chat. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast, know someone who would be a great guest or have topic ideas, email me at smile at shannonbrose.com. Until next week, live well laugh often, and love much.